Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So, if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast. I am Ray McLennan. And it's with me, Nigel T. Best. Raymondo, how are you? Yes, Nigel, the sun is shining. It's warm Always. outside. The heating is off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, absolutely. The For the first time in a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's all good, isn't it? When the sun comes out and a bit of warmth, you can feel it going through your bones. Um, it's, obviously and it's been raining and the grass is growing and the plants yeah. are growing. I mean, I mean, it only took about half an hour before I was sort of thinking to myself, oh, it's a, it's a bit hot. Could do that getting a bit cooler again. So, uh, you know, never satisfied, never satisfied, yeah. but uh, no, uh, all good. We've, um, Ray, we've got an interesting episode today. It's a, a mindset one. Um, mm. and this was brought to us by, um, Jay Woolway. Jay, a uh, big shout out to you. Jay has joined our private Facebook group. Uh, you can join it too. It's in the show notes uh, as to how you can join. But Jay was asking a question. I think it's a really good one, Ray, uh, because it's it's one of those subjects that people feel, but they didn't talk about. It's one of those things, you know, when you go to somewhere and the person says there are no stupid questions and then you open mm. your mouth and he says, apart from that one, and you always <laughs> are worried that you're going to be kind of called out as being a bit of an idiot or that's a really stupid thing to to say or do or ask or be thinking but these are often the things that hold people back and and jay's suggested a great one and i'm sure there's a few people out there who are probably thinking the same thing ray that it's this uh, we put it under the heading of using other people's money and do you have the right mindset so we're going to do a little bit about what other people's money is and and using it but is this one's about the mindset because right it it is a, a nervous time if you're asking anyone to lend you money there's an element of nervousness about it isn't there well of course of course it's because you don't want to be rejected and you want to make sure you're getting it right and you think you've only got one shot at it um which of course is not the case you don't have one shot at it you know there's a, a lot of money out there and it depends who you ask. It depends how you ask. And not everyone's going to be, you know, going to be open in the way others are. You know, what you say to one person is going to be different to what you say to another, usually. Um, it all comes down to, like everything, human psychology. And, and people who have money are looking to invest it. And, and, and one thing about investors and people that have money is they don't have money all the time. You know, so they may say, I have money to invest. And by the time you get around to asking them, they've already invested it. So the, the no is not, it's not a personal no, it's a concept no. Um, and that, that's the difference. Um, I think the, the using other people's money and the mindset about it all comes down to one thing. What stops anybody from doing anything is fear. It, it, that's it. Um, fear of what? Well, fear of what are the ones that, that we primarily think of? We're not good enough or or we won't be liked, you know, that's the two sort of main fears. Um, and being good enough really just comes down to how you, 
how you present your request and um, about being liked. Well, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, some people like you, some won't. You can't take it personal. You can't curl up and, you know, and, and, and give up just because someone says no to you. I mean, let's face it, we are men of a certain age. And when we were younger, we got no all the time. Every time you asked the girl out, <laughs> you got no. So you kind of get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's Eventually one said yes. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, Ray, though, there's, you obviously stuck at it far more than me because uh, for me, oh, I took, I took those no's, you know, very badly. And, and that, you know, made me not want to ask the question again. And that came down to a lot of things. A lot of things, you know, if, if you got, if you got told off or you, you know, something, it stuck with me and that I'd say that really held me back. So listen, if, if you're in that position um, and uh, we're not talking about asking, um, you know, someone out on a date or anything like that, we're not, we're not in that, in that game, not today. Um, not but, what this podcast is about. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. That's your underground podcast, isn't it? On the dark web, Ray. That, that's one of yours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's um, it's one that, yeah, you talk about human psychology. And, and what we've done is we've listed a few things out. And that number one thing uh, we've got there is fear. And lots of people have, uh, you know, that have made it into an acronym, false expectations appearing real, um, everything and run. Uh, all those sort of things. It, it's one of those things that is probably linked to the, uh, you know, amygdala part of the brain, the the original reptile brain, which was, can I eat it? Is it going to eat me? Uh, you know, and those sort of things are fight or flight, those sort of things. And and you know, you can't uh, you can't underestimate how you're going to struggle to overcome a couple of million years worth of evolution uh, just by you know putting your fingers to your thumbs and going om and everything being hunky dory. You've, you've got to, you've got to practice these things, right? Haven't you? You've got to be aware of them and you've got to realize step by step, but I'm just going to Ray, just very quickly. I think there's three things here and there's possibly more within the fear. And the first bit is kind of fear of asking for money. So it doesn't matter who it is, where it is, what it is, just the fear of asking full stop, as you say, maybe rejection. Fear of asking for enough. So sometimes, you know, you might need 120, but you think the person might only lend you 100, so you only ask for 70. And before you've done anything, you've negotiated your way down to not having enough to do the project. Mm. Bizarre, but that's what, you know, because people don't want to offend. And then a fear of asking for more if you hit problems, snags along the way. Um, so there's just a few things in there. Ray, have you got any other types of fear that uh, I know you've got a comprehensive list there? Uh, yeah, no, I think you've struck them, struck them on the uh, nail on the head there. Yeah, asking in the first place is, uh, can be challenging for some people and then uh, asking for enough. But I mean, getting over the asking is just, just doing it. You know, it just has to be done. You just have to ask. You just have to put it out there and say who you are and what you do and and you know here's the project or here's the the business or here's the property or whatever it happens to be and and and, and just put it out there uh, as as for enough well it should be the financial appraisal that determine determines if you you know what you need enough you're actually better to ask for too much than not enough um because you can ask for some and then if you, if you don't get enough you've got to go back and that's worse you know going going back um 
And then the challenges that can, can come are if there's challenges with the project and or, or you know, or challenges with planning or something like that. There's, there's all these things. But um, I think in the mind of the well, in, in most of our minds, we have primal needs. So that's an investor as well as as you and the primal needs are, um, you know, certainty. We're always looking for certainty. Um, variety. We're always looking for variety. Significance. Um, we're looking for that. And love. That's that's the sort of four primal needs. Um, certainty, variety, significance, uh, and love. Uh, and certainty is uh, being, you know, we talk about it in the Crest model and credibility, being, being sure um, and having certainty in your project because you've done a financial appraisal and you know what it is that you require. Um, so, so that's one of the, one of the big ones, um, you know, is, is to, get that, to get that boxed off. Uh, and that can only, only be done by doing a financial appraisal, being boring about it uh, almost. Uh, so the amount you ask for is not determined by what you think or what you want. You've got to put up a compelling case. Um, and that's it. So, so you overcome the fear, or fear can be overcome by action, but directed action in the right way. And if you do a proper financial appraisal and you get it checked by someone, so there's been checks and balances. Someone else has looked at it. Someone else has questioned your figures. And that's happening with us. We're, we're looking at a project right now that's in the many millions. And we had a uh, Zoom call on Thursday. And as we speak, it's being looked at right now. It's being pulled apart um, before going forward. So, uh, and that's to be that's to be rejoiced. Yes, it, you know, I, I want that because you learn from that. If you've missed something out, if you've done something wrong. I mean, for example, we were talking on Thursday there and steel prices are 40% up from the first time the appraisal was done. But there are uh, some buffers in there. There's un amounts unforeseen and some other amounts, you know, where um, we put in more in anticipation of commodity rises. So what we want to find out now is where we write, you know, where, where we write. Um, yeah. And we'll find that out this week. Yeah, I mean, so, Ray, that, that comment there, Wayne, you said, um, this is a great way to learn is when somebody sort of responds to your initial inquiry. Um, I, I think that's what you got to do. They say feedback is the breakfast of champions. And it is. And when someone's giving you feedback, do not defend it. Do not sort of argue. Don't sort of do that. Just say, you know, if anything, I'd say thank you. And if if you wanted to go further, I I would always say, that's interesting. Tell me why you are thinking like that. Um, and try and unpick the thought process of, of what's going on. Because, Ray, we, we've spoken about this a number of times. Um. You know, you want to kind of sometimes reverse engineer something. So pick the outcome you want and then try, to try and reverse engineer all the, the stages along the way that get you to that outcome. And this is where the investor might be uh, more experienced uh, than you, and they may well have a, a definite road a roadmap that they want to follow. And if you can sort of ask the question, that's interesting. Tell me why you're thinking that and, and how does that fit with what you you want to know um, and and see if you can make notes on that. But going back right to the beginning, Ray, one of the best ways of overcoming this, and we've said it so many times, such an old adage, but it still works. And it's ask for advice 
and you sometimes get the money. Ask for money and you'll get the advice. So if you do not want to ask for money initially, ask for the advice. Just say, look, I really value you, um, your knowledge, your experience, and your sort of um, take on this. I'd, I'd love some feedback. Here's some things. Could you give me some advice? Uh, this is the project, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Ray, what often happens when you do that? Mm. Well, we say, well, it looks like a good return. Where are you planning to go for the money? Um, there you go. And I was hoping you might be able to tell me um, I'm planning to go to this group or that group or that bank or that lender or this friend or this family member or this pension fund or whoever it happens to be. Um, yeah. So it, it's good to be. Uh, to it's be such a Ray, it's such a gentle. Armed. Yeah, forewarned is forearmed. Yeah. And it's such a gentle way to get into the conversation. Sometimes people don't like to jump straight in saying, I need 112,374 pounds, 28 pence by tomorrow. Open up your checkbook. I'll take it right now. Mm. Um, you know, that's a difficult one to have, especially with someone uh, that you met walking down the high street. Um, but, you know, ask for advice. I, I've heard another one, Ray. You know, when you, we've been talking about your elevator pitch. Yeah. Uh, in the days before, you know, you had to be two meters away from people and you had to muffle your voice with a, a mask. Um, one of the best ones was to tap someone in front of you in the queue for the coffee. And just say, look, you don't know me, but if I said this and you give your pitch, would you understand what it is that I do? Mm. And, you know, and, and would you be interested in having a, lo a, a conversation with me? And I know people go, that's crazy. Why would you do that? And this apparently... This is find a stranger. And if you can't explain yourself in your pitch in that 30 seconds, then your pitch isn't good enough. Mm. You know, and so when you're talking about this, you, all you're doing is you're asking for advice. You're not actually pitching them for business. You're asking for advice on what that pitch was like. And, and this is the same. Ask for advice about, about the, the thing that you're thinking of doing. Yep. Um, don't go straight in for the money. So fear, folks. The only, as you say, right, the only way to get past it is to take action, isn't it? Just to do it. That's it. Don't Just talk do about it. it. To do it. You, you know, you learn, you learn what's right by doing it wrong first or by speaking to someone else who did it wrong first. And then you can learn what works and what, what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen over six and a half thousand pitches, including um, some stinkers, that, you know, <laughs> absolute stinkers, but also some brilliant ones. And um, we have taken the, the best of the best. And that, that's, that's what we use. I want to say the best of the best, the ones that get the money, the ones that get funding. Um, the, the one we, we used last time, it's literally one minute, 12 seconds. The pitch is one minute, 12 seconds. And it's a distillation of what works. Uh, and it's worked so far, 100%. So far, everyone who's watched it or listened to it has wanted to to uh, invest in it so and you can't beat right you cannot beat an irresistible offer mm. and uh but I'm, I'm curious right you said there were some stinkers some that you literally probably laughed in their face um however i'm sure you gave them feedback on that were these were these people that were some people you can see they're just never going to take the feedback Mm. never going to take it but other people who sort of go wow i didn't realize i'd got it that badly wrong point out where it's gone right you know or how to make it right you know i'm, I'm sure you gave that so that 
you know, you leave people in a better position. Absolutely. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of feedback. I mean, the feedback that's given a lot of the time can come across as a presentation that how they put it forward. I mean, I remember one guy uh, just sweated very heavily, um, you know, which just because he was, he was nervous, he sweated very heavily and he had a business partner. And, and I, and I just simply said, look, you should do the presentation, not the other guy. Cause you know, sweating implies that you're, you know, nervous or you're being dishonest almost. Um, and I, when I asked some of the investors that he pitched in front of, that's what they said. They said, yeah, it doesn't come across well. Now it might be, you know, it was perfectly innocent. He was just, he was in a room, there were hot lights, but it was almost like, I don't know if you remember the Harry Enfield sketch when he's pitching in front of Dragon's Den. He's doing a pitch, he's got a blue shirt on, he's got a sort of wet, damp ring under his armpit. And every time the camera goes back to him, the ring is bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> Eventually, he's just drenched in sweat. Um, that was a bit like that. So that was one, um, just needed just a change of personnel. Uh, there was another one I recall, which was a guy who had not used to work for a construction company that did huge projects, you know, in the tens, hundreds of millions, big construction projects. And he decided he wanted to go on his own, get into property and do a com small commercial conversion. And he needed he needed a million pounds. That's what he needed. But he came across as so condescending that, you know, oh, yeah, I've done projects worth 100 million and 50 million, and, and now I'm going to do this one. And, you know, it's no big deal sort of thing. But just the way it came across was completely wrong, because what he failed to understand is when he does big projects like that, he's one part of a big team. And the money is already there. The 100 million is already someone else has arranged that he was a small part, a small cog, uh, you know, in a, in a big setting, a very small fish in a big pond. And now he wants to be the big fish in the pond and apply for money himself. I mean, he was destroyed by the questions because he didn't have a team. He hadn't, uh, a lot of the things he took for granted with the bigger firm, he hadn't built into the business plan and it was an absolute car crash. Now, just remember that one. Uh, so that, that, those are two sort of presentations that just went wrong. But and then the others... The other I was going to say, but but from that, right, that, that feedback there, it, it's either going to work. You're Because what I mean by that is, you know, overcome your fear, because once you've been asked those difficult, awkward questions a couple of times, you're ready for them. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it, if you imagine going into you're opening the door to go down into the cellar. Um, you know, and the light doesn't work. The first time you're going to be very nervous because you've watched the horror movies where the weirdo with the axe is going to come at you. Uh, <laughs> the second time you go down there, you realize the light switch is at the bottom of the uh, of the stairs and you turn it on and uh, and you realize it's empty. So the third time you go down, not even thinking about it. And that's mm. all you're trying to do with this, you know, have a go, take action, ask for advice uh, and stuff. You know, it's it's. You, you just got to practice. You're never any good at anything until you practice. That's it. That's it. And you learn right by doing wrong or someone else does. And you just need to get that, that valuable feedback. That's absolutely what you need. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. I've got, I've got another one down here. So uh, one of the mindsets that some people have is it, it kind of comes down. Uh, uh, this is kind of just before we get into the Crest model, but there's one that I always 
think is you get you do get people who are optimists and pessimists glass half full never mind the glass half empty uh, or whatever the glass is completely empty in fact the glass has broken i dropped it it's a disaster and i've cut my feet on the broken glass you know some people are hugely negative mm. um and when you look at the risk of the project succeeding or failing you get some people who are overly optimistic that everything is going to go right you get some people who kind of pitch it in the middle where you know this is this is the um, you know, expected return. This is the expected outcome. This is the expected progression of things. And yeah. then you get others who are just like, well, you could lend me the money, but you know, it's, it's probably going to go wrong. I think the building may well fall down, wash away in a storm and all the rest of it. And I really, you know, the chance of you getting your money back, are, you know, there's two hopes, Bob hope and no hope. And sadly Bob's dead. And, and, and that sort of conversation, you go, what the hell? And um, yeah, some people are, they're, they're convinced they're convinced that they're not the right person. they've they've talked themselves out of it yeah and it's it's strange isn't it how we we get this overly optimistic uh, field of roses uh, everything's going to be beautiful or everything's going to be doom and gloom and somehow whichever you are you got to bring yourself back into the the middle ground a little bit more yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that comes under the heading of what if, you know, what ifs. And that's where, you know, in the we talk about Crest model and we talk about credibility, which is usually a team of people. So in any endeavor, whether it's a property proposal or a business, you ideally want to have a team. You don't, you know, you don't want a lone wolf. Um, lone wolves very rarely get uh, backing. It's, it's the team that gets the backing. And it's good to have in the team someone who's optimistic and someone who's pessimistic because they balance each other out. Um, but it comes under all the what ifs. So, you know, what if we don't get planning permission? What if, um, I don't know, what if commodity prices go up by 40%? What if, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all of that. I mean, what's being balanced off by the one that we're doing is the, the GDV was based upon historic sales figures, you know, from two years ago. And they've, the prices have literally shot up in, in that particular area. So the 40% rise in, um, in, in steel is going to be clearly offset by um, a rise in value. And, and that's happened, you know, if we talked about this 20 years ago or 30 years ago, it'd be the same thing. I mean, a big what if from 20 years ago, 30 years ago was uh, interest rates. What if interest rates shoot up? You know, what if? Um, inflation kicks in well, there's all these sort of things but you can you can you know you can talk about it till the cows come home but you've just got to get on with it you know so there's never I, th I think you can look back and think well that was a perfect time that was a perfect time but the people then in the moment didn't think it was a perfect time it's like right now a lot of people think it's a perfect time and a lot of other people think it's not a perfect time you just have to make a decision and, and go with it but you just have to do it you know um, you've got to get on with it and, and do it. And then you'll find out as, you know, as long as you've got the financial appraisal and the parameters covered off, you know, there's nearly always, uh, there's always an exit. There's always a way out. There's always things that will come in and from left field. That's just life. That it's, it's about talking about mindset. It's about your ability to handle that sort of thing, you and or your team. And if you've looked at all the what ifs and you've got your financial appraisal, then, you know, you, you can, move swiftly we've looked at projects where we were about to do one thing and um, when it came to construction we've decided we had to do something completely different 
uh, because the, the one we were looking at didn't work. I'm thinking about, you know, do you do stuff as HMOs? Do you do it as buy-to-lets? Do you rent? Do you sell? Um, many years ago, I was buying property to do service accommodation. Changed all the rules. So uh, we didn't think that would happen, but uh, how did we pivot? Well, we simply turned them into HMOs and then we decided to go for service accommodation in, in, in a different way. Instead of having separate units, we would buy one whole unit um, and do it. So it always happens. It always happens. It's just you've got to get on with it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. I think the theme, folks, if you're listening to this, is you've got to get on with it. You've got to give it a go. Take action. That's the clear thing. And and some of the things, Ray, that you're uh, sort of coming back to, um, folks, have a look in the show notes because if you go to the website, you can download uh, what we've, um, you know, fairly modestly titled the perfect template uh, for putting something together like this where you are asking um, for investors to a deal. Uh, have a look through that. Make sure you've ticked off all the boxes in there as to all the aspects of the project that people may well ask you questions. Um, and if you can do that, then you're going to be in a much better position. But Ray, it wouldn't be an episode of the How to Raise Money podcast without me talking about toothpaste, sorry, uh, about the Crest model. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, when they're, they're thinking of borrowing other people's money or using other people's money, they are, may well be aware of, of the Crest model and what we talk about here, but they think I've got holes in this Crest model. I've got gaps. You know, I've got problems here. They're going to spot it and all the rest of it. What would you say to people who think they've got bits missing in the Crest model? Um, well, bring it up. Ask, like, like you say, ask for advice. Um, you know, we've had in Q&A sessions, we've had investors throwing questions at people. And, and I've, I, as I always say to them, if you don't know the answer, say you don't know and ask for advice to say, well, what do you think I should do? Um, so, for example, we had a we had a lender who said, um, we're, we are only going to lend if we can, if we can uh, get shares on the board and become directors in the company until such time as we get paid back and then we'll reverse out. So, uh, you know, the, they hadn't considered it, the, the borrowers hadn't considered it, but it wasn't an issue, it wasn't a problem. So, for example, when you set up an SPV, set up an SPV with one person, don't issue any shares, but let that one person get the bank account opened. That gets the admin done and out the way. And then later on, and by the way, if you set up shares, use 10,000 shares of a penny rather than 100 shares of a pound. It's much easier to divide. Um, so silly little things like that, that when, when you've got that set up, um, then when somebody wants to come in, lenders, which invariably some will, no, not all of them. Some, you know, all, uh, We've done one there with uh, Aldermore and they were just quite happy to, you know, it was just a, a term loan. They didn't want any part of the company or anything like that. But we've got another one now and they're looking at... Uh, uh, a seat on the board, a directorship, and a shareholding uh, that they will hold on to until such time as they get their money back. Again, that's fine. Absolutely fine. If that's how they want to do it. Then that's part of the security part, isn't it? They want the security. They want to see management accounts on a monthly basis, which is absolutely fine. Um, you know, it, it's whatever makes uh, that person happy. Remember the the um, the human needs of certainty. And for some people, in terms of risk, 
some people have a lower risk threshold and others have a higher risk threshold. And that's why you need a team of people to balance these things out, to bring in the things that you don't think about. So, yeah, yeah. It, it is. And one of the ones that I know uh, some people say is I don't have the credibility. I haven't done it before. And we've spoken about this before, Ray, in terms of, okay, we'll leverage someone else. Yeah, indeed. The team that you are creating to give that credibility and say, okay, I haven't done it, but I'm working with, x y and z and and this is their portfolio of, of projects that they've done in the past so there are ways folks if you think you've got holes in the crest model and that uh, you know it won't work for you there are ways to think of it in a you know and, and come at it from a different angle so you can plug those holes and still be able to present a you know a crest credible uh, application for using other people's money. So there are ways to do it, folks. Do not mm -hmm. give up that early. Uh, please, you know, keep going, keep going. Um, I know, Ray, um, so that might have been number three, Crest. Um, one of the biggest fears that people have using other people's money. So sometimes if you used your own money and it all went pop and everything went wrong, well, you've only got yourself to blame and it's only you that's been affected etc cetera, etc cetera. but when it's other people's money i know a lot of people um uh, heard a, a phrase probably when they're kids um depending on the age you are neither a lender nor borrower be and uh, you know you shouldn't be in debt uh, you shouldn't borrow money you haven't got and all those sort of things all those old adages doing it because people always say well what happens if you can't pay it back on time with the interest and all those things so a lot of people have that fear Ray, how would you uh, kind of help someone who's thinking, um, you know, I'm so nervous about paying it back? Yeah, um, again, it go back to the financial appraisal, go back to the timelines, go back to the security that's been on offer, um, you know, and, and just check those, make sure that those are correct. But will things go wrong? Yes. Do we have uh, investors who get caught up in deals that have dragged on? Yes, of course. That's, but all investors know this. It's a fact of life. You know, you cannot be uh, an investor without having one or two um, challenges, let's say. And mostly mostly they come from stock market, that sort of thing. They put money into stocks and shares or things like that, and they, they tend not to work. In property proposals, there's nearly always an exit. There's always a way out. Um, and again, we have had over the years somewhere people have put money in. Uh, the project hasn't worked out for whatever reason. Um, usually overruns on, on some part of the build. Um, I remember one and it was all groundwork. And then I remember another one and the lawyers had basically screwed up all the title deeds and got caught in a quagmire of legals for a long, long time. Um, so what happened there is investors simply negotiated. You know, they would say, OK, well, I put 50,000 into this. I'm supposed to get whatever, 65,000 back out. Um, it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, am I going to get my money back or, uh, or, or a price in the pound, something like that? They've not had anyone touch wood who's put money in and got nothing. Um, they've nearly always either got their money back with a bit on top, not quite as much interest as they hoped. Um, and in one occasion, only one occasion I can think of, and that was where the investor decided to take a lower amount, uh, just to get out quick, to get out you know, early. He, he waived his rights to, to everything just to get some money back and out. And then I think it was 75 pence in the pound or something. Um, and, and the project eventually went on over a period of time to give everyone their money back, plus a little bit extra. So had he stayed in, he would have got it back. But it was his decision. He 
he saw an amount, decided to take it, and and that was it. So uh, it's all about negotiation, you know. Most lenders, that's why you, you know you want to lend from an angel, from a lender, from a bank, rather than friends and family. You want sophisticated investors, high net worth individuals, because they understand the risks of the game, you know. And with high net worth individuals, sophisticated investors, you're generally not going to get phone calls every day. You know, with, with friends, family, or smaller investors, they, they've got a small amount of money to invest, and then they tend to want to know what's happening to it all the time, uh, which is fine. We, we do encourage people to do a follow-up Friday, um, which is just to say how things are going. Um, not everyone does it, but we constantly push that to happen. And then there are other investors that just say, no, I don't, I don't want to see you for a year, you know, just leave it. Let's see how we get on. Um, yeah. Because they have a balanced portfolio. I mean, that's it, right? It's one of these things that, uh, you know, that's to work out between the parties involved, yeah. you know, and, and decide that before anything goes ahead. You know, how often do you want this information? And uh, number five, I've got down here is communication, but a slightly different angle to it. But, but they're paying it back on time. Folks, if you have gone through the template, if you've done the financial assessment, if you've take an account of contingencies, potential variables, variances, uh, difficulties that might be incurred, time, uh, the time scale uh, extending or whatever. These are all factored in. So you should only be at the point of asking for other people's money when you have as much information as you can reasonably be expected to have at the point you're asking for it that demonstrates that this should repay on these particular terms that's the expected re return and I, I know a lot of people say okay property if you get a, a bad property it, well a property deal that doesn't go how you want it's a bit someone once said it's a bit like a bad haircut now i'm not the greatest person to talk about haircuts because if you're watching this on on the facebook group or anything or on youtube uh, you'll see i don't have a great deal of hair it's all slipped around the sides um, but, you know, people say it's like a bad haircut. It will grow out. And if you can uh, negotiate enough time, property, if you have a look uh, and you say, oh, property doesn't always go up. Well, if you could go back 100 years, I think you could probably buy London uh, for, you know, what, what one building would cost now. So property does keep ticking up. Yes, there might be a dip where it drops down a bit but then it keeps coming back, keeps coming back. So it's a bit like a bad haircut. You might have dyed it the wrong color. You might have cut it too short or whatever, but it's going to grow back out. So you should have done the homework there, folks, before you start asking for other people's money that should give you comfort and the investor comfort that this is going to pay back with the interest on the time, you know, in the time scale that you're proposing and all the rest of it. But Ray, number five, Carrying on for the communication thing. One of the things that uh, I always think is amusing is, and I, hey, I've, I've done it myself, done it myself, uh, you know, doing JVs, other people's money and things, is you're so excited about the front end and getting the money and getting started. You don't talk about how this is going to end, what the end point is, how the, the separation, how the divorce, how the settlement uh, is going to happen. And you don't lay out the terms of it, what happens in these situations and things. So if you are nervous about uh, 
uh, well, I don't want to be on the hook to this person forever and a day. You know, define the endpoint, say what it looks like, and and say what triggers it and who can trigger it and all the rest of it. So it, it's it's funny, Ray, isn't it? Some people are so excited at the front end they forget to negotiate or or think about the the termination of everything. Yeah, no, indeed. Um, well, I mean. We talk about, again, in the Crest model, uh, credibility, return, exit, security, and trust. Um, and, and exit is in there. That's the end point. What is the exit? It has to be clearly defined. Um, and then what ifs? You know, so the exit is by sale of the property. What if it doesn't sell? Or what if there are additional costs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it is by negotiation, communication. There's nearly always a way out of it. If it starts to go uh, legal, um, it just it's, it's just the lawyers end up getting money. You know, I mean, I was a lawyer for a while and, and I ended up in a lot of situations where partners had fallen out with each other, directors had fallen out with each other. Um, and, and all it needed sometimes was someone just to say, look, I'm really sorry. You know, if they just never apologized. They made the mess. They never apologized. Or, or the other side thought it was deliberate or something like that. And it never usually is. It's very, very, very rare. But I think it was once in hundreds uh, that we came across something that was actually malicious, you know, that was that was orchestrated as a as a fraud, as, as it were. Um, the rest of it was usually just a, a big misunderstanding of how things didn't didn't work out. Um, you know, planning permission was applied or it was the wrong type of permission or the architect's plans were out. You know, we've had ones where architects have submitted plans and they've been you know, six inches out and the council want the whole building to be demolished for the six inches, you know, uh, which is just crazy. There's no point in going to law over that. That's a negotiated settlement. You know, there's, there's nearly always a way to negotiate these things. But you do hear of, um, you know, you hear these stories of councils demanding a building is demolished. But usually you'll find that um, the, the end building bore no resemblance to the plans, you know, that sort of thing. It's not, it's not that it was six inches out. It was that there was you know, 16 feet out or there were too many, you know, an, an additional floor was added on or something like this. Um, that, that te- it's very, very rare. It's very rare. Those kind of things happen, but, uh, but yeah, it's just about what ifs trying to look at the what ifs and then insurance. That's what insurance is for. There's legal expenses, insurance, and there's, uh, liability and various other insurances that are available. Um, and we always build them into a financial appraisal. All right, yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent on. stuff. Um, all right, right, uh, final few things. So if we do a bit of a, a rapid fire, um, one of the questions here, using other people's money is, when should you look for other people's money? Is it before you've got a deal or after you've got a deal? Uh, well, I think always find the money first. This is the chicken and egg. You know, do I get a deal and then get the money or do I get no? Find the money first. Find people who have money. Find out what they're looking for. What is it they want? What are they interested in? And then get them something. Um, start small as well. If you've got an investor and you've got some property, I mean, I know someone, a uh, woman actually, who started off um, looking for, uh, I wouldn't call it a JV partner, but looking for an investor basically to buy the furniture for each property she was doing. She wanted to stage them. She wanted to rent them out. So she needed between three and five thousand pounds for furniture, something like that. Um, and that builds up a relationship because obviously that, that's a relatively simple amount to pay back. So the rental income from the property can start paying that back. And uh, once that's cleared off and it's done two or three times, then, you know, it's, it's 
usually you'll find it's the the lender who says, well, you're borrowing the money from the bank. Why don't I give you the money at 5%, 6% or whatever it is that the bank are charging you? Because they built up that level of rapport and track record. So that's a good, that's always a good way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, and some people might say, well, um, how do I talk to people about money? Um, you know, if I haven't got a, a property to talk about or a business venture to talk about, and I guess what you're saying there, Ray, is talk to people and find out what they're interested in, uh, because there's no point, you know, sometimes I've, I've seen people at, you know, property meetings, um, in the past where people would come up and they would be hammering, uh, a deal. Uh, you know, saying, oh, it's this property and I'm going to convert it to this and stuff. So I'm needing a hundred grand and stuff. And they didn't give the person time to breathe. Uh, and finally, after about 10 minutes of them ramming this story down this poor person's throat, the person turns around and said, yeah, that's all good and well. But what I'd suggest is you go talk to someone who's interested in that sort of property. I do commercial factories. And at which point the person went, oh, and, and, Sometimes, sometimes we're so eager to put our side of this offer in front of people, we forget what you just said there, Ray, which is go and talk to someone as if you're having a coffee with them and ask them what they are looking for. Because yes, they may well have money, but if they're not interested in investing in the type of project that you're thinking of doing, they're the wrong person. At that point, the follow-up question should be, I appreciate this isn't your particular cup of tea. You don't know anyone who would be interested in this style of thing, do you? And that's often a great way of getting a lead yeah. into someone else to have a conversation um, to find that out. But happened the other to me thing, yesterday. That happened to me yesterday. There you go. But Ray, just, just before that, all I'm thinking is, if, if you've had this conversation, that person says, well, actually, I invest in factories or I invest in commercials or I invest in light industrial units. Stick that in your back pocket because sure as hex are eggs, you will have a conversation with someone saying, hey, Nigel, you don't know anyone that's, you know, wants to invest in light industrial units, at which point you can go, you're not going to believe it. I just had a conversation with a guy yesterday. Uh, I'll get in touch with them and I'll see if I can do an introduction for you. It's amazing. Find out what people want. It might not be, you know, valuable to you right now, but it could be valuable to you in the future or to somebody else. So this is how networking works, folks. But Ray, what was your example yesterday then? Uh, yeah, and I was talking to somebody. I talked about a, a short video that we'd made and I did the voiceover and she, and she said, oh, can I, can I see it? So it's only a minute long, but she watched it. And she went, this would be fantastic for name of a friend. Can I send it to him? I said, of course you can. Yeah. So literally like that, literally like that. Yeah. Yeah. So remember that folks. Um, so there you go. That's when you, sh when should you look for other people's money? So have those conversations. The other one, Ray, that a lot of people say is, yeah, okay. I get the idea of other people's money, but where do I look for these people that have the money? Um, and there's lots of places, but I know you've got a, a few listed there, haven't you, Ray? Uh, yeah, I mean, lots of places. Uh, I think these days, online has to be key. It has to be key. Um, put what it is that you do online, put it onto LinkedIn, put Facebook posts out there, um, you know, pinned tweets or whatever it happens to be, Instagram pictures of what it is that you're doing. Not looking for money, but just simply saying this is a project I'm involved in. 
and uh, this is what we're looking at, that sort of thing. Um, definitely put it out there on as much social media as you can. That's, that's a good place to put it. And people will follow you and see what it is that you're doing. Um, then there are property meetings, obviously. There are specific investor groups that you can go to, you can get invited to. There are places where you can pitch. There are enterprise agency um, competitions. There are, there are hubs for startups, all that kind of carry on, you know, go to all of them, speak to as many people as you possibly can. It's the squeaky wheel that gets the oil. If someone's looking at your project and they see it everywhere, then more likely, you know, Clubhouse is another one. You can talk about it on Clubhouse, get some great feedback. You can go into, there are pitching rooms in Clubhouse where you can pitch. Uh, pitch me anything in two minutes is run by a guy called Manny Fernandez. You can go in there and literally pitch. Um, now there will be hundreds of people in the room and you have to put your hand up and you have to have to have your biography filled out. So it's good to have your biography filled out with whatever it is that you're going to be talking about. So they'll look, look at your profile and see you and then invite you to speak. And then literally they will say, okay, you have two minutes. What's your, what's your, what's your story? And then you, you launch into it. Um, and then about pitching, there's all sorts of things. We use the Crest model, but you know, you obviously need to say what, what is the problem you're solving? Who's your team behind it? That, you know, uh, what return are you offering? What the, what's the exit? That sort of thing. There, there's a process for doing that, but yeah, put it, put it out on social media, put it out, uh, out there, go to events, speak to people. Like you say, speak to the person in front of you. You know, you don't have to, um, you don't have to necessarily, oh, I've got a cat climbing all over me here. You don't have to necessarily uh, go to uh, pitching clubs and things. Sometimes you'll meet people at the you know, petrol station. I was driving up um, on the motorway. I pulled into a service station. There was a guy in a Ferrari, older guy in a Ferrari sitting there. And I walked over to him and I said, fantastic car. What is it that you do to earn a car like this? I'm in construction, he said. I got chatting away with him and we exchanged details. Um, now he's in the northeast of England, um, but uh, yeah, his profile was quite incredible. And that was just because he was sitting in, you know, sitting in a Ferrari. And I went over and asked him, you know, fantastic car. What did you do to deserve this? And he just, he was chatty enough. And there were people taking pictures and nobody coming over to talk to him, but you know, it was a lovely car and it was a sunny day and the roof was down. So it was easy just to walk over say hello I, I mean like yeah right that's a really interesting thing I think that's one of the things um so you haven't gone over there and asked for money from the guy in the Ferrari because that would be fairly crass and crude and all the rest of it but you've gone over and kicked off a conversation and that conversation could lead to something down the line whereby you invest in him or he invests in you or something like that. You just never know. But in this country, and I'm talking about the UK, I know we've got listeners all around the world and hello to you. Thank you for listening. But um, here in the UK, the British reserve is not to go and ask someone, you know, something like that. But the weird thing is when you do and you're polite and you're not doing it in a threatening or jealous or condescending way, but you're doing it as, as a genuine, you know, I'm, I'm interested and, and, and things like that. It's amazing how generous people can be with their time and explanations, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and take those opportunities. 
they, you know, I've, I've done it. I've tried to teach my kids, you know, if, if they see someone like that and, and you're kind of, wow, I said, go ask them, go ask them. I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated. What is it that you do? And if they tell you, you could say, and how, you know, if I wanted to do that, how do I go about doing that? And they'll often give you a breakdown as to how they got involved in it um, and, and what you had to do to get in a position to be, um, you know, uh, you know, get it, getting something like that. And the other interesting thing is when people say, oh, you don't want to buy a Ferrari because it's a problem and it's a waste of money and it depreciates and, and all the rest of it. I wonder if you had something like that and you went out there and somebody like you, Ray, walks over and you strike up a deal, the deal itself as a result of you having something like that and kickstarting a conversation could well earn more money than the car has actually cost. And in essence, that car has then been an advert. Mm -hmm. It's been yeah. a bit of marketing, hasn't it? It's yep. been a marketing thing. And, uh, you know, I know some people get... They just kick off with the wrong attitude, don't they, Ray? When, they, when they're talking about that, you know, the attitude is Premier League footballer, drug dealer, um, <laughs> those sort of things, because they don't believe anyone can genuinely do something of value for society um, and, and get a reward like that. So we've got the yeah. wrong mindset. So talking about mindset, we've got the wrong mindset. The mindset should be to go over and, and ask. And obviously, if they say they're a drug dealer, thank them kindly and, and make a swift exit. Uh, but, um, you know, and, and it, if it's a Premier League footballer, you know, they get the same question time and time and time again. But I've, I've played golf with a, a, few, a few guys um, who've been footballers. And my question was, yeah, the football there was always a, a kind of bit of chat about that. But my question was always, what do you do with your money? You know, uh, because your career is going to be short. And mm -hmm. I remember playing golf. It's a number of years ago. There was a, a lad called David Weatherall who played for Leeds. And I remember playing with him and he was already buying houses. He, he said, look, my career could end tomorrow. He mm -hmm. said it could end today on the golf course. He said, I could, I could just roll my ankle uh, in a in a hidden hole or something, an undulation, and that could be me out, and it, it could be done. I said, "What am I going to do with my time and my money?" Um, and and I was thinking, "Wow, that's that's pretty cool." And so, and some are really switched on. Um, and and one of the things that you've got to do is get out there and ask them, but ask them a different question. Premier League footballers, that's great, but you can't spend it all on flash cars and, mm. and stuff. So. Where, where are you going to do it when your career is finished? And they're probably, for some, they may never have even thought of that situation. But uh, then they might go, well, what do you do? So, well, I do property. Oh, do you? And who knows? You may have a celebrity investor in your, in your sort of property or business empire. You might do. I, I'm sure do. it happens. I'm sure it happens. But, but there we go. So that's where do I look for other people's money? So petrol stations and people driving Ferraris is our number one tip there. <laughs> well, <laughs> excellent. But finally, Ray, to wrap this one up, when it comes to mindset, we kicked off talking about rejection and, and fears and all the, the rest of it. So I'm just going to sum it up. This is something that you, you hear people talk about quite often, but I think it's so true. And people always go, well, what if they say no? 
and turn it around and say, hey, what if they say yes? Mm -hmm. That's the attitude that you've got to have, isn't it, Ray? Don't think about the rejection. Think about the excitement of actually when they say yes and you go ahead with it. Indeed. Indeed. And on that bombshell. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Ray, excellent stuff. So thank you, Jay. Um, Great idea to revisit that one and go into that about the mindset. I think it's really powerful. Excellent stuff. Folks, if you want um, anything, go to the website, www.htrmoney.com. It's one or the other, honestly. Um, my mindset was not switched on to the website, but go there. It'll be in the show notes. Have a look. We've got some um, resources, some interesting stuff. Join the Facebook group. Uh, we're a small tribe at the moment, but we're going to keep growing. And uh, yeah, you see some of the outtakes sometimes of these podcasts um, in, <laughs> in there. And uh, you might even see Ray's got an amazing thing right here on the Zoom that we're doing. Ray's got, a, a, you know, one of those virtual backgrounds, which is some bookshelves. But if he moves his head just ever so slightly, you know how the background, uh, yeah, it, it, it there, just move it, just tip your head to one side. Uh, there, can you see the face? And there's the real face of one of his kids in a picture um, appears. Uh, out of of his left ear it looks (laughs) it looks quite weird Um, and he's also had the cat wandering across but it's like a a magic cat because the the zoom thing makes the cat disappear and then the head just appear like Mm. a cheshire cheshire cat that just grins (laughs) at you (laughs) um so there we go um have a look at the show notes and uh get in there get in the group say hello love to hear from you and, and do what Jay did and suggest a topic for us to revisit. So, Jay, hope that one helps for you. And, uh, Ray, are you going to sign us off? I have been Ray McLennan. <laughs> I'm still Nigel T. Best. Excellent stuff. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?